Our new brand vision statement is connecting communities, creating opportunities, and being kind to the planet. So those are the lenses which we now, you know, look at our projects. And if we can't say that we're doing one of those three things or all of those three things, then we don't do it. This is Transit Unplugged. I'm Paul Comfort. Good to be with you on another edition of the world's leading transit executive podcast, Transit Unplugged. In-depth this week with Carl Sidoric, CEO of the Monterey Salinas Transit District in sunny California. Carl, thanks for being with us on the show today. Thank you. Although I don't know that anyone would ever describe Monterey as sunny. Yeah, is that right? <laughs> 61 and foggy. Fourth of July, That's 61 great. and foggy. Yeah, tell people where you're at in California geographically. So we are on the coastline, about 120 miles south of San Francisco, 380 miles north of L.A. It's okay. not the end of the world, but you can see it prepared. I can tell you've practiced that a few times. People would recognize us by uh, locations like Pebble Beach, Cannery Row, uh, but then also inland. Uh, we have the Salinas Valley where uh, John Steinbeck uh, would write his stories, uh, took place in the Salinas Valley. And uh, we're about 80, 85% of all that healthy stuff like lettuce and kale and all that stuff nobody likes to eat is all grown in Monterey County. Gotcha. That's interesting. The good stuff. Well, you have been there at Monterey Salinas Transit for a long time, 23 years. 23 years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, time does fly, um, but I really enjoy here being here. I was 12 years prior to that Long Beach Transit. I, I'd like to tell people that for the entirety of my career in transit, I've never been, my office has never been more than about a 10 or 15 minute bike ride to the beach. So that's nice. When I'm having a bad day, because you can, hey, even you can have a bad day in, in, um, in coastal California and there is such a thing, though I can either walk or get myself off to the beach and uh, relax and say, I could be having a bad day in Tulsa. Um, so I'd rather have a bad day. <laughs> Scott would, uh, yeah, my buddy well, Scott, who runs it there, would be like, yeah, we like it in Tulsa, but I get your drift, believe now, me. My, my daughter's at in Lawton. I just visited her this summer at Fort Sill. She's a captain in the U.S. Army, and uh, I got a dose of Tulsa this summer. I was really happy to be back here in Monterey. That's funny. That sounds like one of those stories where you say, I spent a week in Atlanta one oh, night. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I did that a couple uh, couple weeks ago. Hey, tell me about a little bit. I think people be interested just right up front. You're a martial, you're into martial arts. Tell us a little bit about that. Some of the things that you do, I've I've never even heard of before. The types yeah, of uh, fighting uh, you do. I've, I've got a, a, a second degree black belt in uh, art called Tang Sudo, which is a Korean style, a striking style. And then I also practice uh, something that's a little less uh, physically demanding on the knees. I've been getting into something called a screamo, which is even more obscure. It's a Filipino fighting <laughs> style that's... Uh, uh, more hands and and short weapons type of thing. And frankly, um, I you know I think some people who know me well have heard me gas on about this. But there are a lot of uh, I think uh, uh, lessons to be learned from practicing the martial arts and and that discipline and applying to CEO things that we you know they they stress integrity, focus, perseverance, humility, positive attitude are all things that you strive for as a martial artist. And those are all great attributes of a leader uh, of any sort. Strength, flexibility, stamina um, are all attributes that you want to build into your organization, whether it's, you know, financial strength or political strength, being flexible, being able to, you know, move in unexpected ways. Um, COVID yeah. certainly taught us the ability to do that. 
And then just stamina, you know, being in it for the long haul. We've been working on BRT here for, for decades and we're almost there. <laughs> uh, we've been talking about it for decades and, and uh, we finally have 100% funding and 95% design. So all of those things uh, that you strive at in, in, in that arch um, can also have parallels in, in your leadership role. That's really good. Which one of those is Chuck Norris uh, known for? The Tang Pseudo. Chuck's, Chuck Norris is there. So it's the, a lot of the high spinning kicks. And that's why at, at 61, I'm a little slower and the kicks are a little lower, but I'm still out there. And I, I spend more time teaching, you know, so I can't do it as much. So, you know, if you can't do, if teach. You, so if you can't do it, teach, that's <laughs> right. Teach martial arts. So, <laughs> well, I'm sure you're pretty good if you're a, if you're a double black belt. That's yeah. really interesting. And I love the fact that you've taken some lessons uh, from what you do outside of work and applied them there. That's so good. Thanks. Family. Uh, I mean, all that kind of stuff. What kind of music do you like, Carl? Oh, um, most everything. I play guitar, piano, and clarinet uh, since I was a kid. Um, so, you know, jazz festivals here, I go, I, I like to go to oh, jazz Oh, yeah, festivals. that's a, a they large, have a lot of them there, right? Yeah, they have a large right. jazz uh, program here. Monterey's the longest running, continuously operating jazz festival in the world. Wow. Um, and so uh, we, we actually have our first bus rapid transit uh, system that we implemented about 10 years ago. Uh, it's called the Jazz. We worked, did that in partnership with the Jazz Festival. Contrarian, <laughs> huh? Hey, let's use that as a great segue to talk about your system. And why don't we just start right off with the Jazz BRT system and tell us about that, how it got started and where you're at with it right now. Because it, it does have some, weren't you the first in America, kind of in a mid-sized city to do BRT? In a small urban, I yeah, believe small so. Urban, yeah, I, you know, yeah. there were there were some small operations that did did BRT, but I don't think they were in small urban areas under 200,000. So yeah, we were if not the first among the first for sure. That was a, a small start and it was really you know, traffic signal prioritization, traffic signal coordination at about a six and a half uh, mile long segment. We upgraded about 24 intersections and implemented a, a theme service called the Jazz. Each station we got with the Monterey Jazz Festival and they had all this great artwork of, you know, going back to pictures of Billie Holiday and Elmore James and just all these great uh, musicians from the past, many of whom, you know, no longer with us. And we were able to make our 24 stations like a linear jazz museum where photos of these performers and talking about their contributions to that jazz art form. And then even 10 years ago, we were doing QR codes before they were really a thing. And you were able to link to live performances from the Monterey Jazz Festival, because so you can hear Billy Holiday from 1957 while you're waiting for your bus. Wow. Um, we're now in the process of, uh, we just got a, a CIG grant for the next leg of our BRT, another uh, six miles going up the coast towards Marina called the Surf. You know, that may be our theme for future BRT legs, um, you know, jazz, surf, um, and who knows what other genres we'll, we'll look at in the future as we, uh, implement a vision of BRT through Monterey County. That sounds awesome. Your connection with the local community there, that's quite a great uh, quite a great thing. I guess you your know, community really grabbed onto that, huh? It, it really did. And it's and they're very supportive of uh, even the, the next leg, the surf project. It's one of these unicorn projects where I have both the hoteliers are supportive of this project because it's going to move their workers faster uh, and, and make their lives better. And then the environmentalists, 
are and, and land use people are supportive as well. And I can tell you on the, the California's coast, that's a rare thing to have the business associations and the hospitality industries both supportive of a project like this. So in this, you know, um, sense, we've been able to bring pretty disparate groups who have been at political odds for decades uh, together to support a project that's good for the community. And so that's a great way that, you know, uh, you know, our new brand, we adopted a new brand and a holding service model this past year. Our new, our new brand vision statement is connecting communities, create, creating opportunities and being kind to the planet. So those are the lenses which we now, you know, look at our projects. And if we can't say that we're doing one of those three things or all of those three things, then we don't do it. But we really focus on those three vision statements, like connecting communities, creating opportunity, being kind to the planet. And we've just recently taken our board through a whole process of changing our reporting structure so that we're really focusing on people, planet, and performance. So how are we impacting people? How are we impacting the planet? How are, what's our performance in doing so? Oh, I love so that. So we're really tying teams. the whole thing together. It's been a great, um, you know, we, we got our board engaged and created a subcommittee and we actually unveiled the new board starting with the new fiscal year started yesterday. The report started yesterday or July came out uh, with our board and we're, we're, we're moving forward, tying the vision to the service model, now to the reporting. So that's been a fun project to work on too. I love that, having those North Stars that all your employees and your board and the public can look to to see what you're doing, what you're about. Yeah. And it's easy, you know, and, and I think it's memorable and it's something that um, actually is being used in recruiting and has been effective. I've, I've had new employees come on, young people who have come to MSD for positions and I asked them, you know, what made you select MST? And we're small enough, I can meet all of the new employees when they come on board, which is a nice thing. Yeah. And uh, one of them, more recent one said, I, you know, I read your statement about being kind to the planet. I want to be, I want to be kind to the planet. I want to do that with my career. So they're just not nice words. They're, they have meaning and they mean things to the people here locally. So. And tell us about um, your funding and Measure Q and the countywide yeah. sales tax that you implemented there and how that's helping. So Monterey um, is in the unenviable position of being one of the larger transit operators in California that doesn't have a local sales tax for its fixed route systems. And until 14, we didn't have any local funds. So we were strictly for our operating. We had state sales tax, which I know many other states don't have state sales tax for transit, and then federal operating dollars. And that put us in some pretty precarious financial situations over the years during bumps in the economy or when there's a congressional shutdown, when we were depending on right, federal right. operating yeah. dollars. We were successful in 2014 in getting a small one-eighth of 1% sales tax for mobility programs for seniors, veterans, and persons with disabilities. And that covers all of our ADA paratransit, uh, which is a huge lift for us. You know, we, we cover an area that's one-fifth the coast of California, uh, wow. so a, ba a vast region in four counties. And um, half of our trips in the Salinas Valley are to dialysis, and people are traveling, traveling long distances. So they're very expensive trips for us to make. And so getting that sales tax in just to cover the ADA and special mobility programs for seniors, veterans, and folks with disabilities that has taken the pressure off of our fixed route operating budget uh, to a certain degree. We're still not flush necessarily as, as 
you know, some folks in the large urban areas that may have multiple sales taxes, like my former career with Long Beach, I think we had access to three different local sales tax measures. It was a, it was a bit of an awakening when I left Long Beach to come to Monterey. It certainly is beautiful here, but uh, it's a little more challenging to, to cobble projects together. But, but now that you've got those funds, do you, uh, do you contract out the operation of your paratransit? We contract out all minibus operations. So all of our paratransit, and then we have, we have uh, a, a number of rural communities. They're um, you know, small towns of maybe 10, 12,000 population along the Highway 101 corridor in Salinas Valley where all the lettuce and, and other oh, yeah. products are. So we have mini bus operations that are circulators or, or micro transit operations in some of these areas. And we contract all the mini bus operations, which is about 40% of our hours uh, combined with that in the ADA is contracted out to MV. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's important to comment on, I think for a minute is that people think about public transportation in cities but, you know, I started my career in a rural area where I live uh, over 30 years ago, running the county transit, starting a county transit system here uh, in the uh, late 1980s, early 1990s. And people rely on that. I mean, that bus coming through every half hour is their only means of mobility sometimes. Oh, absolutely. No, we have uh, people who live as the crow or condor or seagull flies yeah. 15 <laughs> miles from the ocean but they're separated by a, a range of low coastal hills and mountains. They've lived there, these communities, their whole lives as farm workers and have never seen the ocean. Really? Uh, until, until we provided bus service okay. to them and we provided connections and the, the Monterey Bay Aquarium put together uh, some programs that they funded that allowed us to bring these low-income farm workers and their families to the aquarium and to experience the ocean. And these, again, folks have lived there 30, 40 years, their whole lives. 15 miles from the ocean Amazing. and never seeing it. So, so you can have a great medical facility. You can have a great university, which we have here. Uh, one of the, a world-class aquarium, a beautiful coastline, but it means nothing to the person who can't get there. If you don't have mobility, right? yeah. So yeah. if you don't have mobility, you don't have access to any, any of those things. You're stuck in a, a 10,000 person, you know, surrounded by fields. Right. Right. That's, that's something. Now you're also the taxi authority there, right? We are. Uh, we tell us uh, about that. Well, it actually has been quite a journey. It wasn't something you know that the taxi cabs originally um, uh, wanted us to have, but they, they were they were unregulated, and there were a lot of problems, a lot of complaints from the hospitality industry uh, re with regard to taxi service and lack of accessibility. Um, you'd see someone show up at the airport, maybe uh, with a wheelchair and have no access to a taxi cab and, you know, very uncomfortable situations um, trying to get people around. So about 10 years ago or so, uh, the powers that be locally wanted to form a taxi authority and they looked at our structure and we just basically took it on as the administrator of the taxi authority because we represent all the communities in the county already. We're doing mobility. So we're responsible for making certain that the companies in, in, implement drug testing programs, have the proper insurances and certifications. And then we do ADA uh, certification testing for all of our cab drivers. And then we provide uh, vouchers to seniors, uh, veterans, and persons with disabilities through Measure Q, which we previously talked about. And those for $3 uh, copay, you will, cash fare of $3, they can get up to a $17 trip 
on a cab, which will get you pretty much anywhere on the Monterey Peninsula or anywhere within the city of Salinas that you need to go. And that's been a very popular program, especially for seniors and folks with disabilities because they don't have to do the, they, it's a cab. They call on demand and it's on-demand service. We've tried to get Uber and some of the TNCs in place, but again, we, we demand to have this uh, ADA certification for all the drivers. And that's been a little, um, we still haven't got there yet. Gotcha. Someday well, you, you all. Yeah. You are celebrating 50 years in operation this year, actually this month, right? And you have so many new things going on, not just your new kind of marketing, but tell us about some of the things about your network redesign, your new lower fares, your increased ridership, your open loop, contactless payment. I mean, wrap all that up for us. That's amazing. Yeah. Boy, it's exhausting hearing someone else say it. <laughs> I know we're so tired all the time. Yeah. So, <laughs> So yeah, um, you know, during COVID, we learned a lot uh, that there were uh, uh, there were many though people that needed services that didn't have access to them, and there were many people who had access to services that perhaps they didn't need, and that included public transit. And so that forced us to take a look at uh, what we were doing for our community and how we were deploying our resources in the community. And our board went through a, a bit of soul searching and. Um, with that vision of connecting communities and creating opportunity, being kind to the planet, through that lens, we developed a, a new bus bus network we called the Better Bus Network. And what that did was uh, decrease travel times, make more direct connections, cutting some, some travel time, say, from a community in rural Monterey County, someone coming to a hospitality job in, in the uh, Monterey Peninsula, cutting some of their travel by... 60 to 80 minutes one way, right? By changing the connections, changing the transfers. And then we reallocated resources to where unemployment was the highest, where car ownership was the lowest, where the need was the greatest. And so we eliminated some services uh, in very well-to-do communities. We, we were trying to provide a little bit to everybody. And the board made a very conscious decision to say, no, we're really going to focus our resources where it's needed the most. And we've seen a 25% jump in ridership month after month for the first six months of this uh, new service level. So it's been tremendously uh, popular. And with that, we also changed our fare structure from we used to have uh, varying fees depending on the distance of the route traveled. So it was $1.50, $2.50, or $3.50, depending on the type of route. Now we've just gone to a flat $2 for two hours. And so you can ride unlimited for uh, unlimited trips for two dollars uh, in a two-hour time frame, and then we've implemented fare capping using contactless payment systems uh, for that two-hour daily, weekly, monthly. Uh, we were the first transit operator in California to do an open loop where you can use your Visa, Mastercard, or enabled device, Apple Pay, anything else. Um, so you just tap and ride on the bus. So using paying for transit like you pay for your coffee. Use the same card you use to pay for your coffee, pay for your transit. Don't don't go buy a card with another card. Yes, um, exactly, just, we, we Carl. We make it very difficult. Yes, we do. To, to purchase our services. Yeah. So we're trying to break down that barrier here. And we think we're on to something um, with this model. And a, a contactless validator on our buses right now is about $900 a unit versus, a, you know, you can pay tens of thousands of dollars for the traditional old fare box systems. We'd like to move more towards those contactless payment systems and reduce our costs and provide more fair equity to our passengers. That's awesome. 
Carl, we wish you the best as you continue so to, to uh, man, you're doing amazing things. I hope I get a chance to come and visit your system one day. You should. You know, I know Monterey is a difficult place to come to. Um, I don't but, think uh, so. You know, we, we do get a lot of conferences here. So if you ever get an opportunity, come on by. I'd love to show you around. And it's, it's to me, the perfect location to do the types of projects we do. We're big enough where we can do interesting things. And we're small enough that people aren't paying that much attention to us. Can, so you're kind of under the radar, huh? Absolutely. You like that. <laughs> that, 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 that it, it works for my particular style. It works well. Excellent. Best wishes, Carl. Thank you so much, Paul. Hi, this is Mike Bismeyer, Kindness Advocate. And this is Mike's Minute, where we talk about mentorship, leadership, and kindness with the hopes it'll inspire you to pay it forward. A fantastic interview with Carl Sidoric. Passion is evident in every subject he discusses. And I love the fact that their new vision statement contains being kind to the planet. And speaking of kindness, I just returned from last week's App to Transform conference in Orlando. And kindness was a theme throughout, starting with Mass Transit's Apta edition, where they actually did a story on the importance of kindness in the workplace. But aside from that, kindness, mentorship, and leadership were in action and evident throughout the conference, from the sessions to the trade show, and all the industry leaders sharing their information, interacting with business members and industry peers. It's great to see new technologies on display, hear the sessions and the lessons learned, and the many pilots, but not just on the technology side, along with DEI, increasing user cases for AI, data, workforce development, all with the purpose of making transit a better experience for everyone every day. I'm always amazed at the talent in our industry, throughout organizations, and I'm always humbled to learn and have so many interesting conversations with those willing to share. Additionally, it was so energizing to hear the many leaders who were quick to call out their teams when they were sharing their success stories, their lessons learned, and acknowledging that they couldn't do it without the internal champions and the many people throughout the organization. Lastly, as the conference ran through the Canadian Thanksgiving last week, and like myself, many Canadians did attend, I just wanted to say a delayed happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Grateful to be part of this industry, and thanks to all those who took time out to do something for someone else. Kindness is cool. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Transit Unplugged with our special guest, Carl Sidoric. Now, next week on the show, we have a very special episode coming up for you. It was recorded live at the APTA Transform Conference and Expo in Orlando. It's the new CEO panel. Paul Comfort interviewed Corey Cuff Lonergan, Dave Dack, Dottie Watkins, Frank White, and Tiffany Homer Hawkins about what it's been like their first year on the job as CEO of a major transit agency. Hope you tune in for this. It's a really great program. While you're listening to Transit Unplugged, you could do us a favor and rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd really appreciate it. Rating and reviewing the show helps other people interested in transit find the show and become part of our transit enthusiast community. If you have a question, comment, or would like to be a guest on the show, feel free to email us anytime at info at transitunplugged.com. Transit Unplugged is brought to you by Medaxo. At Medaxo, we're passionate about moving the world's people. At Transit Unplugged, we're passionate about telling those stories. So until next week, ride safe and ride happy.